You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. My name is Jacques Daniel. I'm the Director of Communications for the Diocese of Rapid City in the Diocese of Rapid City in the Chancery Offices. Here with Father Brian Christensen, Pastor of the Cathedral, and Sister Sarah Kowal, who is the Director of Pastoral Ministries and Faith Formation for the Diocese, Servants of the Pierced Hearts of Jesus and Mary. Here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're here. We had an amazing uh, guest earlier, and we're just going to keep on rolling. We're going to keep drinking coffee, uh, keep talking about Jesus, and um, we want to uh, welcome Teresa Tamio. Some of you maybe have never heard before. Teresa, welcome. Well, good morning. How's everybody? Sounds like you have a full house there. It's a full house. We got it's a, a little Trinitarian of broadcasters here in the booth. Uh, <laughs> you know, yep. And we keep, uh, you know, like uh, like God. You know, uh, one of the aspects of God. You know, uh, this is a Hans Urs von Balthasar. You know, mm-hmm. but he says that one of the aspects of God, because he's love, love surprises. <laughs> so the father's always surprising the son, like you know, like the surprise party. If you love somebody, you can surprise party, surprise gifts, surprise things, whatever. So, um, one of the aspects of God somehow is, m- m- you know, mystically surprising each other. But we continue to surprise each other this morning. <laughs> who's going to speak and who's going to ask questions and whatever. So, But good to welcome you to the show. Um, yeah, you know, uh, we were joking before we came on about your uh, um, familiarity with radio. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for some of our listeners who may not know you. Oh my goodness. Well, um, I don't want to give the whole story because I've been... <laughs> We'll be here until next uh, next Tuesday. But, no, no, you uh, got about thirty seconds. <laughs> no, I could do it easily. I could do it. I could do it in thirty seconds. This is what I do for a living. Let's see. I've been in business forty two years. Been on the air uh, in Catholic radio for twenty years. The other half was in secular media. I had my reversion in the middle of my time in secular media, and offered my entire life and profession over to God, and He took me out of the secular media brought me into the Catholic media, and I've been writing books and speaking on the Lord, on faith, on women's issues, on life, and my husband also within that time became a deacon and just celebrated a 10-year anniversary as a deacon. So there's a short story of who I am, plus I'm on the radio every day. Of course, I'm real presence, but across the country on EWTN with Catholic Connection. Yeah, no, fantastic. You have a great body of work. I mean, just real briefly. I mean, again, for some of our listeners who may not know, just what 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 was the reversion? What triggered it, if you will, in oil um, to bring you back? Well, what, how did the Lord, how did Lord capture call. your attention? Yeah, uh, I had a wake up call. I was fired from a very prominent TV news position, and I realized that my life was spinning out of control. My my husband and I had a lot of success, but our marriage was falling apart, and it was really due to both of our obsessions with our careers and money. And when I lost my job, I was forced to look in the mirror and rethink this Catholic thing. And for the rest of the story, you got to buy my latest book, Everything's Coming Up Rosy. Everything Coming Up Rosy. Is that, is, that, is, is, that, is that published already? Hello, it's been out since April. I did. Oh, a well, yeah. Radio <laughs> so. All right, I'll have to catch up. I'm I'm a little behind on my purchasing. You know, well, that's great. No, fantastic. Uh, and again, welcome to the show. Um, we're going to visit about the feast day tomorrow. Yes, feast day of the visitation. Tell us a little bit about uh, your, love- your love for Mama Mary. Oh, Mama Mary! And, and actually, there's two chapters in the book about Mama Mary. 
based on my relationship with our Blessed Mother, but also on how I was brought up by really strong Italian Catholic mother from the East Coast who loved Mama Mary. And so the second chapter of the book is, listen, no, the second chapter is, the Blessed Mother, M-U-T-H-A, is watching you. Because she used to say to me before I went out on dates, believe it or not. And then the third chapter is, listen to your mother, M-U-T-H-A. Because that's the, I actually spell it out phonetically because my mom, in her pearls of wisdom, she had this really strong Jersey accent. That's where my family's originally from. And so it just sounded so much more, you know, meaningful with, with that accent. But what I love about the Feast of Visitation is that it's such a great way to witness to our friends who may not understand whether they're Catholic or not, why Mary is who she is. She's a Theotokos, the God-bearer, why she's our mother, and why we call her the Blessed Mother. It's like that old spaghetti sauce commercial, Prego, it's all in there. If you look at the Gospel reading for tomorrow, in terms of the whole pro-life message, but the whole understanding of who she is, it's, it's just a phenomenal and a very easy way to witness about why we treat Mary the way we do in the Catholic Church. So I think it's, it's a great... It's a great day to share with people why we love Our Lady right there in Scripture. Yeah, can you flesh some of that out for us, Teresa? Some of those great, yeah, I mean, key key doctrines sure. you see there in the visitation. Well, I think uh, in terms of you know, for example, Mary um, being called our mother uh, and our, our Queen Mother. To go back to, for example, Jesus on the cross, and what did he say to Saint John? He said, "Son, behold your mother." And then he said to Our Lady. Mother, behold your son. And if we're supposed to listen to our Lord, then we have to do what St. John was told to do by the Lord. First of all, take Mary into our home, obviously, and into our hearts, and then Mary becoming John's mother, right, and being there for us. So right there, the whole idea of motherhood, Mary's motherhood of the Church, Mary's motherhood for us, that she's our spiritual mama, she's always watching out for us. And then when she talks about, when she gives her Magnificat, and she says, Henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed, for the mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. But yet, we're not making it up that she's called the Blessed Mother. It's right there in Scripture, and of course, a visitation with uh, St. Elizabeth saying, Now, what is it that the mother of my Lord, why is she saying this? The mother of my Lord should come to me. Well, and, and what did the angel say to Mary at the Annunciation? Hail! of grace. So if you're full of something, you know, it depends on who the people are we're talking about, right? But in Mary's case, she's full of nothing but grace. So there can be nothing else in her. So that's why we know she is blessed, why she is pure, while she was born without original sin. So, so much, if you just go over the scripture, if you just like read the gospel quickly or read the readings for the day quickly, you really kind of miss out. I mean, there's so much apologetic material in tomorrow's readings, especially the gospel. I just I just love it. And I, and I think it's easy to explain, because sometimes I know people have fallen away from the faith, and maybe they've gotten caught up in maybe a fundamentalist-type approach. Oh, you know, you worship Mary, blah, blah, blah. Mary's not the mother. She's really not the mother of God. She, okay, she gave birth to Jesus, but she's really not the mother of God. Okay, well, then why is this right here in Scripture? Explain this to me. They have a conversation, a kind conversation, but that it's very, very clear. And our rosary... Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. It's great. Everything is right there in Scripture. So I think it's a pretty um, easy way to tell people about why we believe in Mary, as we do in the Catholic Church. And it's, as I said, all in there, just like in the Prego spaghetti sauce commercial. <laughs> yeah, Teresa, you mentioned even in, there's actually this image of the visitation is often used a lot um, in, within the pro-life circles um, because of the the babies, in a sense, communicating to one another in the womb. Yes, communicating with each other, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us a little yeah, bit about I, that I, kind of beauty of the, the two infants within their mother's wombs uh, affecting each other. Well, I, I think if, if there's another great way to explain not only our, our love for Mary uh, and the saints of St. Elizabeth and, of course, St. John the Baptist, but I just think in, in, in the dignity of life, in, in mm-hmm. the sense of, you know, St. John the Baptist recognizing who's coming into the room, right? Here comes the, the Theotokos, the God-bearer, and inside her is God. And, and so it really gives us, I think, more evidence to show, especially, for example, if someone says that they're a Christian, but they still have a pro-choice approach, okay, well, explain that to me from Scripture. How, how do you get that? Because it's pretty clear that Jesus, when he was in the womb, and John, who's in the womb, they recognized each other. So obviously this is there's something going on here. It's not just a blob of tissue. These are, you know, living human beings have yet to be born, but they're living human beings inside their mother's womb. So there's a lot. I think I think we have to really, when we approach people to discuss this, pray first. And always, you know, First Peter 3.15, always be ready to give a defense um, for the hope that is in you, but to do it with gentleness and reverence. But these scriptures make it so easy for us to say, hey, this is why we do what we do in the Church when it comes to Mary. That's, and, and, of course, the life issues, too. I think it's a very, very pro-life day tomorrow as well. Mm-hmm. The location of the visitation in outside of Jerusalem, Ein Karem. You've been there, mm-hmm. Teresa? Yeah, you know, I've been there many ago, times. I know. Many years times. ago, when yeah. I was a priest and celebrated Mass there, I I didn't think I didn't think much of it before I went there, but um, I was just moved deeply by Our Lady's presence. I, like it totally touches me, even as I speak to you this morning. It's just a deeply. Um, uh, incarnational moments in the life uh, of our salvation where Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth and the children in their wombs, Jesus and John, it just really touched me deeply of how close God is with us and how Mary cooperated with that. Um, I don't know if you can speak a little bit about just the location and the histor- historicity of the visitation, that moment in our salvation. Yeah, I, I think if having been there, I've, I've been privileged to lead um, many, many pilgrimages to the Holy Land with our um, mutual friend Steve Ray, who I know is on Real Presence Radio quite a bit. He's an amazing uh, apologist and convert to the faith and tour leader. But I think what is for me is so powerful was the realization of, okay, she wasn't riding in a nice air-conditioned bus or a van or a taxi, you know, down from Nazareth onto just outside Jerusalem where Ein Karim is. It must have been a very uh, long, arduous journey for her, and... The risk that she was taking, I'm sure she was with a, a caravan of people, and there are people around her, a young woman that age, wasn't going to travel by herself. But just when you look at the, the terrain of that area, even if you're not, I mean, if you just stop and look out beyond the cities and beyond you know, the hills, you see how rough it is. And then going up that hill, as you know, uh, of Ein Karim to get to the church is just the experience itself. So that alone, to me, I think speaks volumes of, of Mary's seriousness about who she knew she was and what she was accepting. So that location really hits you, I think, for me, Father, what hit me was the distance between Nazareth and just outside Jerusalem, again, where Ein Karim is located. It's like almost a suburb of Jerusalem, as you know. And then the conditions that she was in as a pregnant young woman, having to get from point A to point B to have that experience. So to me, that's what strikes me every time I go there. Yeah, no, just the reflection on her tremendous faith from, you know, obviously, pre-enunciation, right? She's disposed in a way, but just her yes and her heroic actions beginning with that yes in Nazareth and then on to um, 
you know, dashing off in haste to see her cousin Elizabeth. Um, you know, mm-hmm. this model, this model of discipleship is powerful. So um, we're gonna we're gonna come to a break here, Teresa, and uh, come back on the the visitation. And uh, everything's coming up rosy with your mother from uh, Jersey City, which now I'm super Great. intrigued by. <laughs> but we'll be back. We'll be back. Thank you, Teresa. If you are uh, listening. Come join us again after the break. We'll see you in a few. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo De Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Faith transforms time. Time is transformed by faith. In faith, time is measured by the acts of God, whose heart is, in all his activity, turned toward man. The two great events that are central in the movement of time, according to our Christian understanding, are the birth and the resurrection of the Lord. Our Christian feasts are based on our insight into these of God, not on our observation of the movement of the planets. The constant return of these feasts is not an eternally repeated cycle, but the expression of God's inexhaustible love of which we are made aware by an act of memory. Unlike the beginning of the civil year, the Christian beginning, Christmas, has a very special newness. It offers us again and again the opportunity to return to the goodness of the God who became man, in that goodness to become a child again, and in it to live a new life. When he became a living part of our history, the dark mystery of our own birth was completed, and our beginning, until then situated uneasily between blessing and curse, became a blessing. God's creation does not come to nothing. It is always moving toward the resurrection. In the midst of passing time, there is always a new beginning. This new beginning is eternal love. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live, coming to you live from the Diocese of Rapid City, the very warm, getting warmer, chancery uh, offices, uh, downtown Rapid City, right across the street from Armadillo's. The best ice cream in town. <laughs> there you it's go. Good. Wow, shout good. out. I don't know. They're not even paid sponsors. <laughs> Free shout out to Armadillo's ice cream. Sounds like a good reward after the show. We're going from one feast to the next. Uh, we've had an amazing month of May. Some amazing, beautiful feast days celebrating with the church, uh, celebrating this great life of faith. And we've been chatting with Teresa Tamio. Uh, about the visitation and about her book, and and I think there's more. There's more to talk about. More we can learn from uh, this beautiful moment in the in the life of uh, salvation history and God working in the world and um, in the visitation. 
Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> so the um, your your book, uh, we were just looking at it on uh, on online. And Sophia Press. Looking Is that at right? It? Sophia. Uh, yeah. Sophia, yeah. Inter- Sophia Institute Press. Sophia mm-hmm. Press. And looking at some of the reviews, people are very excited about it. And uh, I think by the end of this uh, this uh, couple hours, we're going to have like a whole brand new book list. <laughs> Just never, it never ends, but it looks amazing. Um, you're, so you talk about your relationship with your own mom. and right. And what can we learn... What did you learn from your relationship with your own mom that uh, that relates to Mary and um, and this great? Well, I, I think it ties in with what I was saying um, before the break about how Mary is our mother. And what I go through in the book, and, and there's actually a really special relationship that my own mom had with Mary, and it has to do with an experience that we had a very traumatic experience when I was still living. I was born in, on the East Coast in, in Jersey City, and in our apartment in which we lived, uh, there was a gas explosion and two people died. And thanks be to God, we all survived. They had two older sisters, and, and my parents, but none of us, uh, was we n- not a scratch on us. And my father, who was in the Merchant Marines for many years, brought a beautiful statue back from Germany of a white Hummel statue of the Blessed Mother. My mom loved that statue. And she had it on a little shelf in the living room. And although most of our, survi- our, our um, you know belongings survived pretty much okay intact, you would think that a very delicate statue would get shattered in a massive gas explosion. I mean, half the building was gone. Literally, it was on the evening news, and WABC New York came over. I was in my father's arms, and he was being interviewed by uh, the TV reporter. He says, see, you were meant to be in TV news. You were there when you were a child. I was like three years old my first time on TV. <laughs> but this statue of Our Lady was, was unscathed, not a scratch. And so my mom always felt that she was watching over us in a very special way, and she carried that throughout her life, and then she had the good old Italian Catholic guilt thing going on once in a while, which I think it's a bad rap, whether it's Irish Catholic guilt or Italian Catholic guilt or whatever. But she would say before I'd go on dates, the Blessed Mother, remember, is watching you. So in other words, <laughs> putting it in my head that you don't want to do anything that's going to have repercussions because you know, A, who's watching, God and his mama. Plus, you know, she also used to tell me, I've got eyes at the back of my head. So, you know, just think about what, you, what you're doing and think about how you act when you go out. And it, really, if you if you kind of review that. That's a very good approach, although at the time I was like, oh, here we go again. But it did get planted in my head, and it made me think twice. Not that I always followed her advice. I fell away from the face for a long time. But at the end of the day, those little nuggets that my mother learned that she passed on, I think are so helpful now because there's so little common sense. I mean, the world has gone nuts. And we look out and we're like, we need to get back to the basics. Just get back to the basics of being kind Keep smiling, as I say in the book. Be nice. Uh, yeah, it's not all peaches and cream. This is basic tenets. You know, the golden rule is in there as well. People have just lost their way. And so this book is, is a lot of fun. There's fun stories of me growing up with my mom and, you know, Italian-American family, but a lot of practical advice as to how to apply this to your daily life as a Catholic. We're talking with Teresa Tomio here with her and about her book, Everything's Coming of Roses and Rosie, about her mom and um, beautiful uh, theological and spiritual and practical uh, advice that she got from mom. Um, Teresa, uh, I, get, I hear as a pastor um, moms, moms who are fearful, anxious about mm-hmm. counseling their children, their grandchildren, um, calling them um, to fidelity, being... Well, examples to them. And even so far as I hear moms who are afraid they go and visit their adult children 
And they come back on Tuesday or Wednesday and tell me, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I didn't get to Mass this Sunday because I was visiting my children and my grandchildren. Um, so can you speak to this internal kind of concern and worry and anxiety that some moms and parents in general are feeling in the culture today? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly. I mean, that's always a challenge. But I think at the end of the day, and I, I say this when I give my testimony and my reversion story, you're not supposed to be your kid's friends. You're supposed to be their mom, and you're supposed to help them get to heaven, okay? And I can understand being in a situation where, okay, the kids aren't going to Mass, the grandkids aren't going to Mass, but there's nothing wrong with you going to Mass when you're with your kids. You don't have to say, hey, I'm going to go. Anybody want to come with me? If they don't want to come, fine. But what you're doing is, obviously, you have to keep that obligation. It's good that that woman went to confession and admitted that, obviously, because she knew she made a mistake. But you're giving witness one way or the other by either going to Mass or not going to Mass. And you don't have to make a big, dramatic deal out of it. Just get up. I'm going to Mass tomorrow. Can you drive me or can I get a car or get an Uber? You know, do what you have to do to get there and make the effort. And that makes a big statement. But I think if you're afraid to lovingly give them the truth, they're going to suffer from that. I mean, now, granted, you know, and anybody who knows my testimony knows I fell away from the faith for a long time. But it's those seeds that my parents, especially my mom, planted that brought me back eventually, I realized, you know, I, my, my life is upside down. I've got to get back to what I learned in Catholic grade school. Thanks be to God, my mom and dad worked hard to send us all to Catholic school. And I had really, really good teachers, lay teachers and religious. And, you know, still, even back in the 70s when I was growing up, I, I was pulled in a different direction, but I returned to it. So you, you have to not worry about being their friend and offending them, because at the end of the day, you're going to have to answer to God. For what you teach. Now, it doesn't mean when you go visit them, you're going to pound them on the head and hit them over the head with the catechism and that kind of thing. You have to pick your battles. But when it comes to you making a difference and having a positive witness, getting up and going to Mass, it's a great way to witness without saying much. And you're speaking volumes with your actions. Yeah, no, Teresa. Going back to Our Lady, you know, we're coming off just as Father was mentioning, you know, the beautiful month of Our Lady, some beautiful Marian feast days. We're going into the last day of the month of Our Lady tomorrow and the Feast of the Visitation. You know, can you just speak, there's, a, you know, a lot of non-Catholics, obviously, and even Catholics that sometimes don't realize the importance of Our Lady in our life um, and maybe think it's not necessary or not essential, you know, but we see the opposite in the saints. You know, they, they tell us that the, our relationship with Our Lady actually is one of the keys to holiness. You know, and St. Maximilian right. defended loving her by saying, you know, it's, I think it's actually impossible to love her more than Jesus did. So I think maybe can you just speak about why is it so important for Catholics to make a real effort to embrace Our Lady in their lives? Well, I mean, we have so many great saints, as you mentioned, you know, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, St. Maximilian Colby, St. John Paul II. I mean, I can go on and on, St. Teresa of Avila, my patron, St. Therese of Lisieux. I mean, all of them. I don't know one saint that didn't have a great devotion and love of Our Lady, but okay, so you're a Christian, even if you're not a Catholic. Jesus talked to his mother before he died, and when the last thing he said was, son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. So, so he is saying on the cross, this is important. I mean, his last breath, practically, he's telling us about Mary and who she is. So if anything, if, if you're not you know, into the saints or you just don't buy that, Jesus said it, okay? And Mary was there at Pentecost, so Mary is a, a big part of who we are, not just as Catholics, but as Christians. And I, I just think it's really important. So many wonderful evangelical brothers and sisters did more to promote, for example, the film The Passion of the Christ than, than some Catholic organizations did when it came out. And that was a very Marian film, a very Marian film. 
And I think if you want to even understand that role between Jesus and Mary, to maybe revisit that film, The Passion of the Christ. But very important and very scriptural, especially for the readings for tomorrow. I mean, go over the whole, you know, the whole first few chapters of the Gospel of Luke and take a look at that and, and understand who she is. And also, of course, the wedding feast to Cana, you know? Do whatever he tells you. That's the last time we hear her speaking or see her speaking in Scripture. Do whatever he tells you. That's what she's telling us. Okay, so what did he say from the cross? Son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. Then we should be doing that. So that's just, I mean, just some final thoughts on that. And and I I love apologetics. I, I got into it when I came back to the church and I started really looking at the faith and I really was questioning things in my own life. And, and then I started to look up the church teachings, right? And then I started to see the church teachings on communications, on this, on that, on women, right? I'm like, oh, holy cow, it's like, where have I been all these years? I could have had a V8. And then I, it, I just got so involved and looked at the scripture passages relating to all these things that were so near and dear to my heart. And I just fell in love with the faith, Our Lady, and the saints all over again. I mean, you know, Hebrews, that great cloud of witnesses, we are denying ourselves a beautiful relationship. And it brings us closer to Jesus. It brings us closer to Christ. I mean, when you get married... You're marrying into the family, right? And you, and if you want to know your husband or your wife, you want to get to know their parents. You want to get to know their brothers and sisters. So that's what we have in Mary and the Saints. So that's my little apologetics for today on a uh, Tuesday, the day before the <laughs> Feast of the Evangel- the Feast of the That Visitation. was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I've always loved the Feast of the Visitation and kind of culminating the Annunciation, because to me, I see in Our Lady, just the perfect model of Christians. And in the Annunciation, yep. it really shows us in the Visitation our, our, the core of our vocation, right? Because it's to receive Christ in the Annunciation, which we do also, you know, with the Holy Spirit and the Eucharist. And then we go in haste to bring him to others. And, and share him. him. Exactly. exactly. And that's really the essence yeah. of Christianity, ultimately, right? To receive him and then yep. bring him. And bring him in the midst Absolutely. of difficulties and trials and and having that urgency, right, to like Our Lady, you know, doesn't tell, she just went, she didn't just go to Elizabeth, right, but she went in haste uh, to go see yep. her. So, you know, as we're about to close up, Teresa, can you just give us any closing thoughts, closing remarks, or uh, as to prepare ourselves better for tomorrow's feast day? Well, I would just make sure, um, if you if you can't get to Mass, I would just make sure you do the readings, okay, and, and, and get there and, and read the readings and do your own Lectio Divina. And then pick up a copy of Everything's Coming Up Rosie because there's two big chapters and they're related to our Blessed Mother that I think will be really, really helpful. Amazing. Thank you, Teresa, again for joining us this morning. And uh, we're excited uh, to read your book. We're going to put it on the list and uh, encourage our listeners to read as well and to uh, join in this great feast with the church tomorrow, the Feast of the Visitation as we close out this month of uh, Mary, this month of May. And uh, join us, for those of you who are listening, join us after the break. We have some more amazing uh, guests and some more amazing books to read.